Howdy, this is Grant Cole in Houston. This is Rick Collins in Dallas. And I'm Dustin Zare in Austin. Thanks for joining Texas Rugby Monthly. everybody come on and watch us as we chat about all the great things that are happening in the big state of Texas as it pertains from rugby from the high school level to collegiate to the club level and all the way up to MLR. The goal of this video and this podcast really is to sit down and talk about news and events that are happening throughout the state of Texas. What we want to do to start off with each team, each city has their own MLR team right now. So we want to start off with Grant to talk about what's going on in Houston. Grant, can you give us the top three things that have happened so far this summer in Houston? So yeah, top three things. Uh, basically, the coaching staff hadn't changed. Still have Paul Healy as head coach. Paul Emmerich as your skills and conditioning coach, our skills coach. Uh, Ashley as our uh, strength and conditioning coach. And Campbell Johnson as our forward coach. Uh, we have added a director of corporate partnerships, Sloan Evans. She came over from the uh, XFL, the Houston Roughnecks. And then uh, we've and we've signed on uh, Nick Hildebrand, a Canadian prop, and Tina Rasmus, a hooker from the AGs, as well as traded all of our uh, collegiate draft picks for Robert Povey, a Canadian halfback from the Utah Warriors. Resigned uh, Cecil Garber, Kieran Farmer, Luke B- Beecham. Malachi Esdell, Matthias Frey, Sam Windsor, and Zach Pangelinen. And we've released Tim uh, Stanfield to free agency. And if you've been following Tim, you know that he's become a professional gamer now. And, and first-person shooters. <laughs> and then we've added the wait, senior wait, academy. <laughs> yeah. Wait, and, okay. Can we get some specifics? Like, how did he just decide he's going to do – professional you know you're gonna have to follow tim and and find that out uh he just got into it found out he was good and could make some money at it i guess all right i don't know uh okay well at least there's a second uh, second career for some rugby players now is yeah uh, as many as much as they play video games you would think there that probably is their second career and they can do that all season (laughs) and and fully support themselves yeah exactly so uh and then finally, we've added Rugby HTX as a senior academy team. I'm the team manager of that. Uh, Paul Emmerich's the head coach. Brett Mills is our forwards coach, and our attack and backs coach is Taylor Howden. And we've brought on uh, Josh Schnell, a local guy who played with Canadian Bar- Katie Barbarians and then went over to England to get his SNC degree. And he's over at uh, interning here in an SNC job. And also Jeffrey Steele comes on as a prop and an SNC coach with us. Nice. Hey, I had a question about uh, Houston um, with the HTX. So uh, the last couple of years it had been uh, West Houston, right? Yes. As, as kind of an, aca- an academy team, right? Uh, yes. A development team. How did, how did HTX come about and how did that transition occur? So, um, you know, there's a gap between club rugby and, and, and uh, the MLR. We all know that. And it's a pretty serious gap. It's a pretty serious gap between college and club. And we just weren't getting the gap bridged the way we wanted to. And West Houston is growing as a club and they're growing kind of in a different direction than that is. Plus their new facilities, which are brilliant, by the way, are another 13 miles 
outside of town almost. And I mean, they're, they're really, right really out, west. <laughs> they're they're right out on the Brazos River. Ooh. Yeah, I played in an old boys tournament down there uh, last year, and it is way out there. Yeah, and so I mean, yeah, it got. I didn't know they had. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's out. I mean, it's there, but it's there. I mean, it's huge. It's thirty four acres. Yeah, uh, plenty of parking, plenty of places just to pitch a tent at under a shade tree. Um, they're working on the. Uh, they got most of the water moccasins they got rid of, and they're working <laughs> on the fire ants. <laughs> and, and, you know, so the, it's just a, for those yeah. outside of Texas, they may not get that reference, but yeah, a lot yeah. of te- most Texas rugby pitches, you, you got to deal with fire ants, water moccasins if you're close to the river, if you're close to any rivers, yeah. and then uh, scorpions. Yeah, the big one. Yeah, yeah, it's especially like enough. like it, w- when you used to play at the at the polo grounds in Victoria. I don't know if <laughs> you guys ever played down there, yeah. but I mean, scorpions were everywhere down there. Yeah, it's literally, it's, it's literally underneath the the, the goalpost in the yeah. tri zone, like you said. Family <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. scorpions. And, and but yeah, rugby HTX basically evolved from that. I mean, we we've learned a lot of lessons here in Houston uh, from the first year where we were trying to loan players out to clubs, yeah. and that just didn't work because clubs in the U.S. just don't understand the loan program that goes on in England, Ireland, the, any of the U.K. countries, and even in France. Yeah. So that kind of stuff just doesn't translate over here, and it, it's not understood. So and it. And if you don't explain it to them and have a really good understanding between two clubs, how, how it's going to work, it, it's hard to, it's hard to manage. And then with the uh, eligibility requirements of USA rugby, when it comes to club play, it's even harder to work. Then it's yeah. another, the next step you get into the liability insurance and the, and the workers comp insurance that the MLR teams have to have to carry. And it just doesn't make sense monetarily for them to, to let that happen to their players. So, I mean, that's those kind of things with West Houston growing their, their youth rugby huge and growing their old boys and getting outside of town. And then, uh, and then the Sabercats looking at the monetary things that they have to deal with as a business. It's just, it went in separate directions. So when the memorandum of understanding expired at the end of last season, there was just no intent to, uh, to extend it. Yeah. And, and so that's where rugby HTX came in. So, and, and, and rugby HTX is actually something that, uh, Justin Fitzpatrick and I sat down and ironed out in the 20 and right in the 2017, 2018 season hmm. of rugby. And we, and I've got a document here in my uh, Google files from them that we drew up. And most of it's, most of that is in that document are the guts that I gave to Paul to, you know, extend to the rugby HTX idea. Yeah. So interesting. How 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 is HTX going to function within the structure of you know MLR versus USA Rugby? Who are they going to play? I know there's ATL four hundred four or whatever that that could be an opportunity. Uh, Are there other clubs that are that would be within kind of some kind of playing normalized structure for them? So Rick, great question, and I'll answer this the same way I answer players who ask the same question, (laughs) which has been almost every day for the past two weeks. it, we are uh, so we're looking to get 16 to 20 games a year for our players. Yeah. Now, of course, that has to do with return to play protocols, right? When we get into phase three, then we can start playing. But right now, we're in phase two. It's not going to happen, right? So, uh, it, a lot of that depends on that. We're looking at having six games in the fall and maybe a seventh in December. 
And then, um, and those are just all be friendlies except, and one, if, uh, if, if RTP protocols go down, will be in NOLA uh, with uh, the NOLA Academy and 404 Academy. Okay. Kind of a, and round, then, like a round robin. Yeah. And that's something Sorry. we kind of want to, we're talking about getting going we, we, and we're working with Ryan Fitzgerald to get going so that uh, we can do this every year and help our academy teams get off the ground. And we want to be basically bring it on and, and have the Southern teams be able to come to, you know, no, make, make the run from Dallas, Austin, Houston, NOLA, yeah. Atlanta, and just change off year to year for this round robin event where we can all get in there, knock the rust off, see who our new, who our new players are and go forward. Yeah. And then we've, we've applied to uh, be part of the TRU D1 men's competition. That was my and we requested that. We've requested that we don't, uh, we do not advance to any playoffs, even if we're in position to do so at the end of the season. Mm. And that's something we want to do because, as you guys know, if the last three years the academy teams haven't really done anything until the April May timeframe yeah. in MLR, so that's really the season for those academy teams to start flourishing and start playing each other. So when we get into that time frame, we'd like to have that time to play those academies instead of spending extra money going on going to play in a national championship round or regional round that is something we're not even interested in. It doesn't fit our model. Yeah. And I think so, that, you know, when you look at that too, there, you know, one, you have the, uh, you know, the club level who could probably look at that and say, Oh, you guys are just sandbagging and bringing, you know, other players down. And you know, I know that the, the loan process mm-hmm, is I know. It's the same thing. Everybody, everybody has. Everybody's going to do it. Everybody's going to ask yeah. about it. And, and so, you know, I, I like that approach, you know, for, for Houston saying like, we, we're not going to go, we just want to play the games. And then what I tell people when they talk about like the quality of rugby in, in the state of Texas is, is very high and, and this mm-hmm. is at D one level. And so, um, and hopefully that's the third point to it. You will see the rest of the MLR start having that, the developmental teams. Um, so you're talking yeah. right into our mission and vision yeah. there, Dustin. That's good. Our mission see, I, is, I know this stuff already. <laughs> our, our mission is to prepare players to play in the MLR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, and notice I didn't say, play for the Sabercats. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, and so, I mean, it, we, we intend, we fully intend to prepare players to play in the MLR anywhere they can get play in time at. Yeah. Right. Okay. If they get called up, they get called up. If they get called up to the Sabercats, you know, that's where we're going to play them at. If they get called up to Austin or Dallas or wherever, okay. it, that's where they're going to play at. I think so, the, the NBA has a very similar structure with uh, the G League, yeah. what used to be the D League, yeah. where the players can get their kind of managed by the the local club or, or their their professional, you know, organization. But the players, if they're not under a two-way contract, let's say, right, um, they could go and play professionally. Let's say the San Antonio Spurs could pull up a player from the Mavericks minor league team or whatever. It's yeah. not like baseball where you're literally – within the structure of that team until you're traded. Yeah. Yep. I think there is some sort of clause in each person's contract when they sign for the G league team, but it's only, it's minimal at most. Like, it, like if you get selected, you must agree to certain terms afterward. Same thing happens. Right. I was thinking more kind of in the, um, in the MLS soccer aspect. Oh, where they loan out the players to. Well, well, so now MLS, um, they have their developmental squads play in the USL. 
So it's like, oh, okay. yeah, it's yeah. like Los Angeles, uh, like LA Galaxy A side or B side or whatever they call it. And they play in the USL League, which is the same as like the Austin Bold and a couple other the smaller teams. Like um, I forget where they all play. But anyway, I just know the Austin Bold because since we should have stepped down anyway, from yeah. NASL. So I actually uh, wanted to follow up uh, the question I asked Grant with uh, to Dustin, which is, how does that structure work with the the Huns and Blacks? Is there an idea of having a development team? Or, you know, or I know that players kind of have filtered down to the Blacks and the Huns over the last couple of years. What, what does that it, yeah, look Yeah, so I, I know this past year, you know, we all know that there, there was a bit of animosity for a little while there um, when, when Austin, when the – Austin elite, Austin herd, you know, that whole, that part of the organization when they started um, because of the separation and there were a little bit of back and people going back and forth this past year at the beginning, there was actually quite a bit of it. I know that a lot of the, um, of the AG players or at that particular time as the Austin herd players were going and starting their training with the blacks. Um, You know, I know like Roderick Waters went and played with the blacks in Houston against West Houston, actually. Um, before a pre preseason match for, for Houston. his former team, his former team, yeah. So the, I was actually thinking about that. It was that was kind of one of the things I was thinking about saying he can go, somebody can play with a developmental team or uh, development side and go play somewhere else. Roderick's a great example, and he's fantastic. I love watching him out on our on our wings. Um, but yeah, so I know that there there was a lot of push at that particular time at the beginning of the year to really have. Um, to really have kind of that back and forth. You know, we brought some guys up from the Huns, uh, JP Novak filled in great for us. You know, talk about a guy who's almost 40 years old and getting out there and playing an ML, getting his first MLR cap and, and actually had a great game um, to, you know, Alex Reese and some other people who got a chance to get on the field um, because we needed spots filled because some of our international players hadn't been able to get their visas cleared yet, which we all know is such a, a wonderful thing to, <laughs> to deal with right now. Rick, you don't know yet, but you will. Like it'll, it'll <laughs> great. We signed an international player. Great. You'll get them halfway through the season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think at this time, like I think that there is a push to have more of kind of the back and forth, at least to start the season. I know once you get so many caps in MLR, you actually cannot, I, I believe you cannot play at the club level anymore yeah, four is it four yeah i thought it was four so i know that some but people those those eligibility rules are change. old and in yeah. flux so that's what i'm saying I, I think they're getting ready to change that yeah so, it's, so the question move. is does that make sense and and the other question is is if you got four caps will your workers comp insurance cover you if you get hurt in a club game mm. Mm. i i, I don't TBD. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, according to the cats, no, it won't. And, mm. you know, the cats aren't, I mean, the question there is, are you willing to risk your MLR contract getting hurt right. in a game that is not going to cover you, you know, and, it, and, it was in compensation. And certainly as, as the contracts get bigger and bigger, that's going to make less and less sense. Yeah. For the mm-hmm. players, right. For sure. So uh, eventually I think you're right that, it's going to have to be a developmental side owned by the, or run by the, the professional club is going to have to be the future structure. Yeah. I guess, I guess the question is like, how easy is that to develop when you're still kind of on a, on a pretty tight budget for most of these clubs? Yeah. And the other thing we're finding out is in the other reason rugby HDX came into being is so in order to develop players for the MLR, 
uh, you have to have what we call the, you know, the player development stool. There are three legs to the player development stool, and that's high quality coaching. That's daily training environment that equals match intensity. And it's also a competitive match schedule that sure you get enough game time to equal the kind of game time you'll be, maybe not the level of game time, but the kind of game time that you'll be getting if you step up into the professional level. Yeah. And it's, and then, you know, we've, we take and we make sure that the playbook of rugby HTX is the same as the playbook of the Sabercats. So when these guys and they're, and they're training, they're going to physical trainings with the Sabercats and at least one night a week, they're going to be training with the Sabercats rugby wise. Mm. So, when they do need, when they are called up to that next level, the respect that's needed to be there, the connection that's required to play with cohesion, which we haven't seen when we've called players up in the past three years, and that's got to be there. And so that's another reason why this happens. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, you know, it's it, it'll be interesting to see what happens as we kind of go forward with that. As, you know, I know this is only couple months or you know what two months or so or a month or so ago mm-hmm. is when you find officially announced it so it's really yeah, great we've, to see uh, so, we've got you, all you, but four players confirmed on the squad right now I know, I know that's that's kind of exciting to know that you guys have been able to do that so far and move fast and kind of be a, a, a trendsetter um yeah. for for the other teams in the league to say hey it's time to you know i know atlanta had i was asking and, and when is those. the dallas jackals combine i mean he's <laughs> already had like three this year yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I have it all the time. So, um, but yeah, so I guess Grant, my, my my question for you is: so, if you can give your top three, the top three things, just real quick, what are your top three things that have happened so far for this season? So top far, three this, things. This postseason, post during COVID summer, whatever we're going to. So call it's this. it's it's rugby HDX being formed and 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 uh, you know getting to where we're at now. We had our first practice last night. It was an optional skills practice with eleven players there. Uh, they called it 20 hours before they actually had the practice. Mm-hmm. So 11 players on 20 hours notice on an optional practice, you know, they don't have to make it. Yeah. I'm happy about that. Yep. And uh, the most out of shape two guys at the practice were a CrossFit competitor and a boxer. <laughs> so wow. <laughs> yeah, they weren't that out of shape. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, we, we were, we were all kind of happy about that. So that's, that's, that's the number one thing. Number two, th- number two thing is getting five players back that have been with us for the last four years. Yeah. Um, I don't Sam know Windsor being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many teams have been able to do that, but that to me, that's a huge thing. That's bringing, that's a core group right there. That's yeah. what you call a core group for sure. And then, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think something really important that's overlooked is bringing Sloan Evans on as the director of corporate partnerships. Um, one of the things that people think about MLR teams is they got to get butts and seats to make money. Well, butts and seats isn't the only way you make money. Butts and seats helps you make a lot of money, but it's not the only way. And you've got to have multiple revenue streams to make a facility and a team work. And, you know, having their own facility, uh, they, I mean, like last night when we were out there, the other two fields were being used by soccer teams, local mm-hmm. soccer teams. And so they're renting and the dash was one of them. The local women's team is that they practice at our field, at our at our uh, side fields. So the fact that the front office can keep those fields being rented out, that's another revenue stream coming in, right? 
And so that's that's a key thing that's happening here in Houston that I think if any other team in the MLR can learn from it, mm-hmm. it's that you can never have enough revenue streams and, and, and that's got to happen. So and like the uh, I don't know if you noticed we had a uh, a, a, a secret shirt release. <laughs> yeah, I, so, never saw, and, I never saw what happened with that. So, yeah, I mean, they they uh, basically what they did, they sold it until they because they were only going to make a certain number of shirts. And the ninety nine that was on there is how many shirts they were going to make. Uh, okay. We got one of the shirts and uh, when we, we then we later found out that they only made ninety nine of those shirts. But that's a good little money maker. They got a yeah. sponsor to pay for those shirts. Right. Yep. Nice. And then they sold the shirts and basically made the money off of the shirts. Yeah, you know, and while that's not a whole lot of money, it's, you know, hey, we're, we're going to see what this revenue stream does. OK, that's good. Let's see what the, they're establishing different streams of revenue that make the uh, organization viable uh, uh, finance wise. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. So, well, that's kind of everything that's going on in Houston. Rick, if you don't mind, since, you know, you're the new MLR team to the side, I'll just kind of go next. I I think it's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so, you know, for, for Austin, you know, there's, there's not been a ton of news. Um, The the one, I guess the biggest news for me right now um, was the change in coaching staff. I think that's a bit, it's a big thing. Um, You know, Mick Byrne is out as the director of rugby. Again, the whole, the, COVID kind of played havoc on everyone's season. And so we didn't get to see what would happen. I was really looking forward to seeing if anything, you know, what kind of new excitement would happen after we beat Houston for the Texas cup. Uh, that was the end of the season. Sorry. I had to throw that one in there real quick. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> also, by the way, that Texas cup is much better looking than the MLR shield. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. it's, it's a beauty. The gigantic and shield. It, that gigantic nobody can carry shield. Around. Yeah. But the Texas cup, for everybody that doesn't hasn't seen it yet, go online, check it out. We'll try to throw a photo on here. It, it's beautiful. Like it's a beautiful piece of silver. It's massive. So, yeah, it's massive. As it should be, as it should be in the state of Texas. <laughs> Everything's um, bigger. Yeah, right. So Dustin, you know, so, one thing, you know, you're talking about the coaching changes, right? And uh, any coach worth his salt will tell you that there are two kinds of coaches. Those that are, have been canned, and those that are going to be canned. <laughs> so, that sounds about right for Austin. Yeah, right. So, How many coaches have you been through now? Technically, this only that's only two. Because so the first two seasons, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, we've only had uh, that was only the second. This will be the third. The third head coach. Group of coaches. Yeah, okay. third group of coaches. Now last year was yeah, again at the at the end of season two. Um, you know, Todd Clever kind of came in and they coached like the last two games. I don't really consider that okay. the end of, you know, the previous, you know, play and style of play and stuff. Um, but we do have Sam Harris and Mark Gerard. So two Aussies, again, Aussie ownership, Aussie coaches coming in. That was kind of, in my mind, it was no surprise. I kind of joked around with some, some other, you know, support in the supporters group that said Kiwis are out. Aussies are in, um, but the WAPA's there. But the WAPA <laughs> comes back. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so we got a bit, they got a big WAPA back. Um, but Sam, Sam Harris, you know, he's, he's been in the top league over in Japan right now, uh, doing some really great stuff. Mark Gerard's also co- has been coaching, um, for a couple of years, but I think they bring a lot of experience. Um, Sam actually played, 
both codes. So he played Union, he played with the uh, Waratahs, and I think he played with uh, Manly Sea Eagles uh, in in rugby league and the NRL. Um, so that's kind of interesting because we did have two we did we did have two or three players for Austin who played both codes. So like Penny Taive <laughs> and um, oh, who else played uh, Sioni Fangoia, like they, they played as well. Um, so it'd be kind of interesting to see if we do bring a couple league players on because they, I, in my opinion, some rugby league players play excellent defense. They're excellent defenders. Their tackle rate is super high. So I'm kind of ex- interested to see if we'll add some new names to that. Um, Mark Gerard, like uh, multiple cap wallaby and like he played for, for quite some time um, and really exciting to see what they'll do. And of course, Jamie McIntosh, it's a player announcement that he's returning, but it's also a coaching announcement. He's a forwards coach. Um, he's getting up there, but I mean, we saw instantly when he came in and started playing with yeah. us last season. I mean, it was immediate impact. He is a, he's a great scrummager. Um, he's got a, we quote unquote, a new love for the game since playing here in the U S. And so it'd be interesting to see kind of the role that he steps on. Um, other, other well, he's going he's gonna to have some great support this year too. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're bearing the lead here. Yeah. The biggest <laughs> announcement in Austin <laughs> is that CEO has been signed to Austin. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. But you're <laughs> burying the lead. That's the biggest news. <laughs> no, man. It's like I'm, I'm working my way out. Yeah. Christian, because so we'll go. Yeah. So the new signings, I, I mean, two big signings. I mean, they big. I mean, tall. Both big, big. boys. Cam, yeah, so yeah, we'll talk about Cam Dodson. So I did at a GCU. The whole expected to be the number one pick in the draft. Exactly. Should have been a jackal. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Austin's better than Dallas anyway. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so that's kind of, you know, that was big to hear that he's coming, you know, the whole eligibility issue. I don't really know. Again, I'm not going to get into that. There was a lot of stuff said in a lot of different ways um, about whether or not he was eligible, but I'm he's just gonna, excited he's that we're in the MLR. Him. Yeah, he's in the MLR. He's playing, which is exciting because he is a force. And yes, Christian Osberg, the CEO, I, I do love like I, he's like that. My title for him, like so, I've been designing some stuff for guys that we resign. So I'm really excited to start building out. Uh, I, I had a quick question. So I know he'd been playing um, um, second row in in ORAC. Is that right? Uh, in our lack, yeah, yeah. In, in in France, is is yeah. he going to be a second rower here, or is or is he going to move to the back row? I mean, he's six he six seven. He's uh, six no. six, and, and 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 six six, and his his specialty has been four. Yeah. So okay. I mean, and yeah. I mean, so just FYI, there's only two bigger CEO fans than me. And that's <laughs> Matts and Tracy. Yeah, yeah, his parents. His parents. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so so <laughs> I've been a CEO fan since he was playing at Rock Rugby. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and that, that's the other big thing. Like he's a hometown, he's a hometown guy, and and he's, he is he, a real hometown boy. Yeah. Considering where they're playing at, where their field is at, <laughs> yeah, he's right down the road right from his mom street, and dad's yeah. house. Yeah, <laughs> so it's exciting to have him. But yeah, I think you look at it right now, um, and you have both just from a, a front row stand, you know, that standpoint or a, a mid, sorry, mid front row, but from a, from a, a four or five standpoint, you've got six, 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 seven, two forty, two fifty, two fifty one. Like that is, that's a, that's a motor house right there. Like that, those guys are going to be pushing hard and you, especially pushing Whopper right behind it, you know, pushing Whopper and whoever else is going to be in that front row. Um, 
you know, so yes, I wasn't trying to like bury the lead. I am excited about Christian. I, I, mean, I feel like, I feel like there's a name missing on there. No, there there's, I've got some of going to Austin. Are you allowed to, to release that Listen, name? I, I don't, I hear so many rumors about who's coming to Austin. I can tell you that I've heard a million and one people are coming to Austin. And like, I, okay, Adam Ashley Cooper, I don't actually know if he's going to come this year now. He was supposed to come last year. Don't know if that's happening. Um, okay. Like, so Christian, from what I've heard, I mean, there's photos of him already training. Like in the video they did, he was already training with Austin last season before the end of the season. Yes, that's correct. So I, yeah. But I've heard, I've heard I there's a center from, uh, from Premier League, uh, Premiership coming over. Who, who, have, you, who have you heard? <laughs> I, I'm not you can say names. That. You're not. Yeah, Your team. Yeah. That's, that's my team. Uh, I, I I don't know. I honestly okay. I have no idea. No confirmation. All right. Yeah, I can't confirm. Like I don't know. Like, so yeah, we, want to get in trouble. I hear you. I, I don't know. Like listen. I, again, we go to the you know, everything. It's like oh, Matt Gitto is you know going to play in L.A. or he may come play here. Like what? Like, he's he even said came out on social media and said I'm not going. Like no. Like that's ridiculous. Like <laughs> I'm not going to play. But. I will say I am excited. Yes, I'm excited for the, those two for those two signings because those are quote unquote new signings. Um, we also signed Louis Satima from AIC in the draft. Uh, he is just a, a wrecking ball. Um, be interesting to see kind of how he performs. So like, he is a smaller center, so I don't know if he'll actually play in the centers or maybe um, I see him as kind of the same as Roderick Waters, like short, stocky, and just full of power. So I wonder if they may kind of interchange him out on the wing. And then uh, Mason Mason Co- uh, Cock from um, from Dartmouth was our was our pick in uh, for as hooker. Um, right. Unfortunately, we did lose a hooker, and I was really sad about that and losing Tion. Um, yeah, we lost two hookers in Chris Shade and Tion. And so right now, technically, because we haven't announced if any other hookers have signed with us or anything else, we only have Mason. Um, you know, don't know about Brendan Rams who was you know, kind of the backup for Tion this season, you know, obviously Shady was out hurt, um, you know, for the last couple of games. So that's I know Shade is trying to start up. Um, <laughs> oh, he's, he's trying to get money for uh, Columbus um, yep. professional uh, MLR team. So well, I, th- I think, and, and Shade, he's, you know, he'll be the first to tell you that he's still trying to recover from, from injury and, and we yeah. wish him the best. Like Shady's a great guy. Like I'll have him on the podcast again, just cause he's, a, he was just, I mean, been here since year one, just a fantastic guy. Um, also, we also lost um, you know, Skyler Adams, went to went to Dallas. Um, so you get Skyler, a great young prop. So he was also AIC, but also in the Crusaders Academy. Um, and then uh, Wilton Rabolo, um, that one started off the season uh, with Austin. He got in a training match, got injured, got a really uh, pretty good knock in the head and was out with concussion protocol for a while. Um, but I just didn't think it, it was a, the right fit. Um, you know, I just think the, yeah. the playing style was not the right fit for them. Um, but I, I am excited for the re-signings, and there's a couple of reasons why. So re-signings for us, Mason Peterson and, and Zinzan Ellen Puddock. Um, Zinzan, my buddy, uh, captain, he is, both he and Mason have been here since year one. And so that's pretty exciting to have those guys come back, you know, kind of be the heart and soul. Like Mason... Mason had kind of a breakout couple games. Like last season, I didn't. Mason played all right for some games. I thought he had a little bit off and on, but I think this season, this season, man, he he just came out full force. And with him and Jamie, um, you know, on either side of that pack, I think they really did really well uh, towards the end of the season. Um, we also um, got back Roderick has confirmed. Lerone White has confirmed. So that's a great another you know again another more forwards that are doing well. Well, um, Mo Abdominan. 
so Mo is has more ball steals. He's one of the best. I think he's one of the best breakdown players in MLR. Um, and then Dom Aquina. Dom is somebody who, man, I, I was disappointed to see the season stop because of the, just the way that he plays. He is. He, he has a lot of potential. He I mean, ha- his, he, that guy should be an Eagle someday. I, if, if not in the next year or two, like I, I yeah. think that his, his ability, his raw talent is phenomenal. Like his athleticism is through the roof. Um, yep. I'm, I remember at that com at our combine last year, I recorded him in his high jump the one where he literally jumped over the top of the height. Like it was one of the craziest things I've seen. Uh, so that's exciting to see him. Uh, Dominique Bailey, uh, you know, was out injured all of last season for us. Really excited to see him come back too. So that'll be a good one for us. And then, you know, Will McGee and um, it hasn't been announced by the team, but I, I, you know, uh, who was it? DJ Coyle, uh, Doug, he had posted that uh, Kurt Morath, and yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Kurt Rath is coming back. He is in Austin or he is in Round Rock. He lives there with his family right now. Um, looking forward to seeing, you know, he again, again got got injured with a I think about bruised rib or broken rib or something in that Houston game, and Will kind of slotted in at fly at the end. So, you know, a good bunch of people coming back, um, solid team. But as you can see, there's a lot of empty spots right now. Yeah. And I think for Austin. You know, it may, there may not be three big things, but I think one of the biggest things is what are the new coaching, what's the new coaching staff going to do? There were some players that were announced last year coming over from Australia that didn't get a chance to get over because of visas, you know, and then the season cut short. So the question will be, what will they do? What will Austin do? Um, there was promise. Again, you saw promise every game last season and the build up to what they were at, to the win against Houston to kind of break that streak that, you know, <laughs> had been going on forever. Um, but I think the excitement is the style of play, the flow of rugby that they have. What will that look like going into 2021? So, uh, so my, my big three things, um, you know, big news articles, news of the days or, you know, whatever may be, are going to be, um, just kind of looking at the coaching staff. That's, you know, the new coaches, Sam Harris and Mark Gerard. Um, also, you know, the CEO is coming in, uh, big, 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 big news, big new signings, um, with, with Osberg and, and, um, and Dodson coming in and then all the guys coming back. I'm, I'm kind of excited for those guys coming back because it's a core group of guys and they all have some extremely good skill. And that, that kind of excites me for what they do. So. Awesome. Yeah. So with the Jackals, um, you know, brand new club for MLR, um, this has been in the works forever, obviously, because Phil Cam Since season one. <laughs> well, before season one, before because season one. <laughs> you remember Phil Cam as as the owner, uh, president, whatever he wanted to call himself, of the Allen, or they were the Frisco Griffins briefly, yeah. then the Allen Griffins, and then the Dallas Griffins, um, and before they fell apart, and uh, we wondered what was happening because we knew he had been involved initially with the building, the structure of MLR. And then the team was announced as being a team that was going to compete. And then all of a sudden wasn't going to compete next year. Oh, it'll be next year. Oh, it'll be next year. (laughs) Literally the running joke on Reddit was what are the new teams going to be, you know, next new teams. They're like, well, I mean, Dallas, um, no, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's just put the Dallas rumor aside. We'll talk about other new teams. Yeah. Uh, but we finally have a new team. Um, you are going to play this year, right? 
We are going to play this year. <laughs> we drafted players. Are, are you sure? Have a, Dustin, we have man. A full side of players. Rick, you need to apply cold water that burn. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Had to. So, it was too, it was too, um, too easy. <laughs> We uh we had a really good draft, I thought, actually. And and the funny part was we had that 15 everybody picks. was like, Oh, we're getting Cam Dodson, we get in the second row, it's gonna be a freaking monster and everything. And then like Connor Mooneyham gets drafted. I'm thinking, well, I had Connor Mooneyham as a guy we were gonna draft, but huh. into the first round, beginning of the second round guy, not uh first pick in the draft because I thought we were gonna get Cam yeah, Dodson. Yeah. And then the rumors were, oh, he wasn't draft eligible, and then everybody's like what? No, that's, that's not true. So I think there was still confusion about that. Um, and then maybe that's just not the way this team wanted to be built. Um, so Connor Mooneyham being the first round pick, um, along with, uh, Hunkin Clark, um, you started to see as the draft picks went on for Dallas, the style of play that they're looking for, they're looking for, uh, guys who, don't necessarily uh, fit a certain structure of play automatically, like right off the bat. They're looking for guys who can play in the loose and make plays, make things happen when things break down. So all the draft picks are all those types of players, um, great ball skills players. But then you look at like what happens in the set play, right? Yeah. And Hunkin Clark is kind of a, a betweener. Um, I, I see him as a seven. Um, I, he's not big enough to be a second row. Um, he's not really an eight in terms of his running style. Um, he's not a six, but then later on they get Bronson Tellis, who I think very clearly is a six. Yeah. I mean, he, he, if there's a reincarnation of Honko, it's him. <laughs> like, it hey, I'm going to disagree does, with you there. You're going to disagree <laughs> with me on that. Yeah. Okay. Bronson, uh, Tell- Bronson Tellis, Bronson Tellis was, was, uh, came up as an eight. So I say, yeah. He's got the speed of a seven, but he doesn't have all the stopping power of a six like Honko does. Yeah. But he's, but you know, stopping an eight man coming off, that's not his specialty. Grabbing the ball in the line out, that's Bronson's specialty. He's, he's a sure thing. Just put the ball up in his general space. Yeah. He's going to come down with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. Off, he's great off the back of the scrum. And he's also a pretty solid leader of a back row. Yeah. So well, I mean, the only reason I don't see him as an eight is just because they the have some solid eights there. We yeah. have camaraderie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, yeah. But but Bronson is a seven or an eight, and okay. has been for a very long time. His father raised him that way, and uh, he's played anywhere from four to eight. Yeah. And can, but uh, but really, he's a seven or an eight. His yeah, speed is what makes him a seven. He yeah, played. He played four quite a bit in college um, at Arizona, and then before that, I think it was Texas State, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you just look at his height. There's just no way he's not big enough to play second row. No. Certainly strong enough, but not yeah. big enough. Um, so yeah. Do you uh, think? Do you think they'll interchange him out? You know, kind of as you know, some 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 rugby teams, depending on whether or not they're they're attacking or defending the scrum, they'll they'll switch out their seven and eight. You know, I, so that's and one that of the happened things. a lot. With, happened a lot with New Zealand um, you, with the All Blacks. And if they you look move. at the roster, yeah. it's very flexible. Yeah. Like there's a lot of guys that can play a lot of different positions. Um, Landon, I actually think could be a guy that you develop into a ten. Um, his skill set is is 
in the in the line of playing ten. But he's really he's a twelve right now. But a, he's not there yet. I mean, he's he's got a lot of work to do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised he starts off playing with the Quins or the Reds uh, for a season at least. Yeah. Well, with Bronson, you get one of the best team moms in the world. In Annie. <laughs> she really is. She's she's a you talk about you talk about somebody who's organized and takes care of her players. I mean, she is she's great. And then with his dad, you get the loudest cheer in the cheering section. Yeah, and, and the, we'll need that because the uh, the monster is, stadium, stadium that we're going to play. I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on that for a second. Yeah. Uh, so the the draft picks with Van Lannan, Hunkin Clark, Mooneyham, and Tellus. I, the only player of those I could see starting right off the bat might be Tellus, uh, Mooneyham maybe depending on who else they sign. Um, I just think physically Tellus is ready to play kind of right away. It it just depends on where they're at and how they think his skill set's going to work with the rest of the players I have. Yeah. Um, and then they signed Cream O'Day, uh, Life Prop. Um, also, you'll notice that there's quite a few. Um, USA all Americans, um, in their, in their signings. Um, they're also almost entirely signing guys who are 26 years old or younger. There's almost nobody except for the two chads. Uh, they're over 26 years old, I believe. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, the, um, uh, lock from, uh, uh, Samoa, uh, Theo McFarlane, he may be 27 by the time the season starts. If, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, you got youth. two chads, right? London and, and golf who probably right now, if you look at this roster, are probably the captains of the team, co-captains of the team coming from the Raptors and a lot of people making jokes that the Jack Raptors are Raptors South. You <laughs> 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 literally have signed like half of the Raptors roster, um, but mostly the young guys. So now also in the backs, you've got Ryan James, Jr. Uh, Campbell, John Stone. Um, guys that, you know, weren't getting time with the Raptors. Uh, they were playing with the Merlins mostly. Yeah. Um, so you're seeing, okay, there's a clear idea of what they want to do, which is get young American talent and build up from there. I don't think there's a concern um, about losing a lot of games in the first couple of seasons. I wouldn't be surprised if we have some very ugly first couple of seasons because you know, the goal is, I think, building a program. And the age just tells me that. Yeah. Um, they, now, they did go and sign uh, Theo McFarlane, Simone Locke, uh, Hank Stevenson, a young Canadian Locke. Um, James Malcolm, the Scottish hooker, who I really think is interesting. They go out, they got uh, Chad Go, and then they go out and sign him, and they're close to the same age, a couple of years apart. How are way. they going to manage, you know, the game time maybe – you know, as goes getting a little bit older that he's not going to play as much. I, I think, I think there's definitely some decisions yeah. to be made there. But how old is he? He's 20. 26? He's 28. He turns 29 before the season starts. I'd say he's just, that's, that's prime for, for a front but rower then, though. But then, <laughs> that's, that's, that's years of experience right there. <laughs> my, my guess just based on what I've, what I've seen is that James Malcolm is probably a better player right at this moment. Hmm. So interesting. I, I think that that's a tough one. Um, and then um, uh, Vian Con- Conradi, the Namibian flanker, um, played flanker for the national team. He's probably the eight man. <clears throat> if I was going to put an eight man right now, he's my eight. 
Um, And then we find uh, also signed Fafita. I've also heard that we're waiting on the announcement of the other prop from Colorado (laughs) and no comment on who that might be. And in fact, I've heard he's already here in Dallas. Um, And then I thought the other interesting trouble was that they did sign (laughs) Gino, who I actually had pegged watching the Quinn season. Uh, It's scrum half, uh, but they had signed Carlo Denison. Uh, from the Raptors. And both of those guys are about the same age. Yeah. Uh, I think Carlo's clearly the better player, but you know, Gino probably goes back to the Quins and plays another season with the Quins. And if there's an injury with Carlo, he comes up, maybe he sits on the bench. I don't, I, some interesting de- uh, decisions for the team right now. So yeah. the thing is that they've signed all these players and there's a lot of players that are very quality players in the loose, but what, what happens at the set piece? I think they're counting on, you know, training the set piece. They're not looking for guys who are specifically great scrummagers or great uh, line out jumpers or lifters at this moment. They're looking for guys who can go out and just play rugby. And then they're going to figure out the set piece once they can actually practice, which is a little nerve wracking because it could be one of those where we just get murdered in the set piece. But um, at least it looks like it's going to be an entertaining team. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I think you guys have, again, any new team, you're always going to have building, you got to start building somewhere, right? Like that's yeah. not, that's not going to be, you know, even with, with Austin, like it's re, last year was kind of a rebuilding year. Um, still kind of working on that rebuilding kind of an extended, you know, extended rebuilding for a year and a half or so until 2021. So we'll see where that goes. But I think the same thing for you guys, you've got a lot of young, young talent, a lot of interesting selections in the draft, a lot of interesting signings that you've had too. So um, we'll see what, see where it goes for sure. I, I'm excited that we at least have a, what is eventually going to be a front row that has played in MLR and been decently successful in MLR. So can kind of count that, that it's not just going to fall apart in the front row, at least right off the bat. And then yeah. some interesting young pieces that, you know, can fill in. I think the biggest you know, questions are going to be, you know, how's it going to work with the stadium? So you you look at a team like this and the initial thought I think was for a stadium, they were, they had bought this property near the American Airlines Center, um, Rivershawn Park. And it's just a small baseball field that they were going to uh, rehabilitate and make into a multi-sport field, including rugby. And it's, uh, it's currently owned by Donnie Nelson's business group. So the idea was, well, Donnie's not just buying this for S's and giggles, right? Yeah. Um, he's buying this to put a professional Sorry, rugby are, are team. Are we keeping this PG-13, by the way? <laughs> well, at least <laughs> 13. Um, maybe I'll say it once. Uh, so, uh, you know, are, are they going to play at this, this kind of small field? It kind of makes sense for a new team. Um, you know, it would only sit probably 2,500 to 3,000, uh, right off the bat with plans to expand on it. Yeah. But now we're playing at Globe Life Park, which seats 40,000, uh, adjusted. I think it's like 28,000 or something like that <laughs> for the XFL team. Yeah. And, uh, apparently because the XFL fell apart as some of y'all have, uh, gained some, uh, you know, admin people from XFL. Uh, as we, we have, we didn't, or you guys did. We did. Houston did at least. <laughs> Houston did. Um, now we're going to be playing in what would have been, you know, an XFL stadium is also being used by the, um, 
USL two uh, FC Dallas minor league team, uh, North Texas uh, SC. I I'm struggling with how that stadium is going to work for rugby. It, 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 is it as bad as maybe New York with uh, Coney Park or Listen, we played at Del yeah. Diamond last last season? I don't want to hear ago. anybody talk about bad. We played at Dire Stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, that's right. So so I don't I don't want to hear any of y'all talk about what's I, bad. Yeah, okay? listen. I mean, what, what we I tell you the, is, the grass on a baseball field on a professionally maintained baseball field is fast, fast, fast. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when it rains, it drains off really quick. Yeah. And and so they can make they know how to make those stadiums into rugby and football stadiums and soccer stadiums. Uh, minor League Baseball has been making money off their stadiums for years. And that's the way they make money is what that's the way they keep that team in on the field yep. is by renting that stadium out to anybody who will use it in the offseason. Yeah. I'm concerned about how it's going to look on TV. I think the most, I mean, yeah. it's going to look how it's going to look. And, and I say that only in the way that so many teams in MLR have started off in, in baseball fields, yeah. you know, playing in baseball fields, you know, um, we did it. Uh, well, Rundi, Rundi the it. Eagles have done it. Eagle, Eagle, yeah. Eagles, Eagles played a game at, but they played against Brazil. At, I think American in, in rugby fans are so used to seeing rugby and baseball fields. Now it's not even an issue anymore. Yeah, I think it's worse on a football field, actually, for that matter, just because of all the Thank lines. You. It's very yeah. I, I think the, the one the one thing <laughs> that's the crown. Going to be, yeah, and the crown. Yeah. <laughs> well, so as, uh, as a former I, I as former groundskeeper, I totally understand as a minor league. I was an assistant <laughs> groundskeeper for a minor league baseball team for years. Like that's that was my first degree. So, hey, I totally Dustin, understand that. So um, having that experience, I came down and watched a match at uh, the um, the stadium in in Round Rock. The, Austin Bowl. the, 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 no, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, no, um, round, round not Express. the baseball field, the, the, uh, the multi-sport. Yeah. And, um, then I came down the next year and watched one of the baseball same and it, it was nice to have like fireworks and all this stuff that they put on video board and everything at the baseball scene. But I was like, the experience was way better at the, at yeah. the multi-use park. You well, for, like for rugby fans, for guys who have been in rugby and around rugby for years, yes, because we're closer to the action at the multi-use yeah. parks. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We're almost right on top of it because rugby's the biggest field in that multi-use arena. Yeah. But hey, we're not there when we get into the uh, when we get into the baseball fields because you've got to make these sixty-four by eighty-nine uh, uh, field of play structures with these five with these five meter, seven meter deep, uh, in goals. So you don't really have a big field in baseball. No. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's not like, like Grant said, like we're just the rugby, the, the long-term rugby fans are just so used to watching rugby in the bigger, in those places that look, Oh, that's a beautiful stadium. It's an open field. It's not a baseball field. Those who are new are saying, Oh, it's on a baseball field. That's, that's fine. Whatever. Most people don't care. They don't know. But those baseball fields have given us the ability to have a location to play. Yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily the field that's the issue. Um, Dell Diamond did a great job when we were there because they actually took out the infield dirt and it was all grass. So yeah. that was AT&T that was wonderful. Park at Rugby World Cup Sevens. Yep, yeah. exactly. It was yeah. beautiful. They did that too. You know, I know Rooney didn't have that capability when they're out at Coney, the Coney Island area. Like they had the dirt on the field. And that's kind of. That that's kind actually of not dirt. Is it not dirt? 
No, that's a turf. That's a, a turf it's field. A, a, it's an artificial turf field, a four G field. Oh, no, it's, and it's that's brown. brown. It's okay. brown grass. Well, that's why they it's couldn't make it green. Weird. <laughs> that's so weird. And so, and so that I think the biggest the biggest issue is it does like when you go to the games at the baseball fields, it feels like you're playing in kind of a cavern because you're talking about. And this, I think, will be the biggest problem in Dallas, right? So when Austin played at Dell Diamond, it was getting, you know, opening game, 2000, almost 2,000 people were there, which is a good-sized crowd for the opening game. We had fireworks and everything else. It was a great, great opening match, you know, uh, in, 20, in 2019. Uh, however, no, yeah, 2019. Um, however, that's an 11,000-person stadium. <laughs> right. So it looks empty. Like all the games looked empty. You know, granted, we had the worst weather in history for like, oh my God, it was terrible. It was like grapple incredible. and all this other shit. Sorry. See, I dropped it right there. Uh, <laughs> there's the one S. There's That's the one S that we're on. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> parental advisory now. Um, I've but, been the cleanest guy on this thing so far. I'm surprised. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I, I think the biggest issue is, is how it sounds, how the stadium sound, how it feels when you're there because you're in the environment. And that's going to be the biggest thing. You're talking twenty a forty thousand person stadium. Yeah. If you get, I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit of a pessimist. If you get two thousand people to your first game, it's going to be great for you guys, but it's going to feel like there's nothing happening there. Yeah. And it's. Yeah. it's I, I think sound the way the sound's going to be and everything, it's going to be a challenge. However, major leagues, major sports have been doing really well at artificially adding sound to their broadcasts. So maybe that's <laughs> I know. <something> I, <laughs> I'm going to suggest it for sure. So my big, my big three things is having a team. One that's number one is Dallas finally getting a team and, and having players. We have coaches and we have players. So we have, well, well, come to us when you actually have players and coaches on the field together. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be a while. We're going to get to that in a minute. You have a stadium. um, I think, uh, so we have a stadium also, we have players and I, we have a great ownership group. So that's one thing I hadn't mentioned yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie Nelson, the uh, Mavericks GM and Neil Liebman, who's the Rangers COO um, uh, and their businesses, their business backings are the ownership group. And I, I think it's an ownership group that's going to be patient, yeah. which is really nice, right? They're, they've been patient with other projects that they've had. Uh, they're lower level than, you know, their, their major league teams. Uh, they're professional teams. And you need so that you need you need ownership groups that are either patient or well healed. Yeah. You can lose a lot of money and exactly. not really be hurt. And I think we have both, to be honest. And then I think the uh the group below that, the administration group, we brought in Scott Sanju to be the president. Uh he did amazing work. If y'all don't know the Rough Riders minor league baseball team, they're like one of the tops in terms of getting butts and seats and and sales and everything else. They do a bang up job. So Getting him in is awesome. And then obviously with um, Elaine, Alan Clark, Lee Radford, we've got a coaching staff. Um, Elaine is assistant GM to Phil Cam, uh, which is kind of a weird setup, I think, because she's an assistant GM and an assistant coach. <laughs> so I and, and we've talked about this off camera and everywhere else. Uh, it's kind of one of those situations that you think kind of like what San Diego is doing. How, how long is that going to last where you have kind of people sharing the same duties? So I, I, there's a lot of exciting stuff, but uh, the three items being team, stadium, players and ownership and uh, um, ownership group. So yeah. um, we're excited. And we've got a big, we got a big we fan got a lot to be excited about. Yeah. I mean, I mean and let's, let's talk about the other great thing. 
first is that there are three people give us a hard time being Texas. They're like, Oh, there are three dreams. Like it also takes three hours to get to each one of our locations. <laughs> yes. Like for oh, those, for you, for those watching thankful. right now, <laughs> thankful it only takes you three hours to get anywhere. Yeah. It takes me four and a half, five hours to get to Houston. And then I got to deal with that North Houston traffic after you hit woodlands. Oh my Lord. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that high spell, but yeah, that, that's, that's the thing is we're, we're just, <laughs> we continue to talk about, you know, you know, the people in MLR are like, Oh, well, Texas got another team. Well, Texas is a big ass state. Yes. <laughs> like, what we have is we have a, we have a market for that. Exactly. Yeah. Team owners see that. Yeah. We've got yeah. a market for it. We've got history of, of rugby. And, you know, again, that's why we want to do this, talk about monthly rugby. And that Grant, that's a perfect segue to talk into the rest of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Because yes. Texas is more than MLR. It's more than having three teams in MLR now. It's talking about the TRU. It's talking about club level and stuff. Um, you know, I think, I, I don't know which one of you, you guys have been around the TRU and been around club level rugby here in Texas longer than I have. Um, for sure, since I'm somewhat of the, I'm the transplant down to this wonderful state, but you know, for the most part, I don't know who, who would like to discuss kind of the, the current going on with, you know, the, the state of rugby as it is with during COVID in, in the TRU and what some of the decisions have been made. And I don't know, Rick, if you want to, after yeah, that, sure. I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, just, I just read the notes from their meeting yesterday. Um, you know, they're obviously oh, they're, they're looking at HTX, uh, joining, uh, division one. Uh, I think, I think it would be great to have two teams in each of the MLR cities, right? So you have the two, uh, two Houston teams, two Austin teams and two Dallas teams playing in division one. I think that would be great support for Academy teams that would then go into the MLR teams. That feels like good structure, uh, for me. Um, I think the, the issue right now is like, we can't make any decisions. Uh, there's not, we, we literally, we can't play anything as uh, grant. You mentioned earlier, we're in, we're in phase two where you can't share a ball. Uh, you can't touch each other. Basically uh, if you're out at the field, you're doing activities on your own. Yeah. Right. So you could get your team out to the field, but you can't, you got to stay six feet away from each other. And this is by TRU rules. This is by um, the cities as well. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it's social distancing and it's mask wearing and it just doesn't make sense. Um, I think, you know, right now to even look at a fall season and I think Grant is y'all have looked at, I know we're looking at spring season, right? A full spring season for, for club rugby. Yeah, we're planning to, we're planning for some fall games and with the understanding that if RTP doesn't allow, we don't play. Yeah. And that's just all there is to it. I mean, we're going to try and make it happen, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really important uh, all over the nation is uh, in, in the restructuring of USA Rugby, the competitive regions have dissolved altogether. Or the, the committees have dissolved committees, altogether. Yeah. Right. I mean, and so the competitive regions have. And so the Red River Rugby Co- uh, Conference Committee has basically is now the TRU's governing board. Um, still got all the same people on it until they, you know, come up for reelection. But I think that's something that not a whole lot of other GUs have. Yeah. If it, if any have it at all, is that we're a GU that is going to keep the same leadership structure going into this next season. Yeah. 
For those that and, don't know what a GU is, can you tell? Oh, a ge- uh, so a geographical union. So there's, there's what, eight or nine? There's is there nine. eight or nine? Nine, I think. Nine. Nine. nine geographical unions in, in the U.S. right now. In fact, there's a whole brouhaha over in England because World Rugby doesn't understand why California is two different unions. You know, look, I don't understand. It might as well be two different states. Let's be honest. Look, look, England has four different, the UK islands, the British Isles have four different unions in a space of land that's half of California. Okay. (laughs) And they want to know why we have two different unions in California. Those guys need to get a grip, you know, quit trying, quit trying to put, you know, their ideas on us and, and try to understand how we work and, and, and what can work for us. So anyway, so now the Red River is part of the TRU. Kirk Tate, our president for the last three years and for the next three years. Congratulations, Turt. Kirk, yeah. although you probably don't expect that, ex- think that that's a congratulatory issue. <laughs> it's more like a sentence. I heard, I heard only one person voted and they voted for him. So yeah, yeah. It was only one nomination. It was for Kirk. <laughs> so so the, um, the, the question is, which one of us is going to make a no- try to get a nomination and uh, for the next one, Rick? Not me. <laughs> not, like know, not me. No, no, no. I love what I love what I'm doing right now, uh, managing this team and, um, this is kind of what I, what I do better than coaching or anything else I do. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I love to be critical and analytic and give my opinion and not have any input and not actually make an action on it just to give my thoughts instead. So, <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll just, what's that? Yeah, this is, this is perfect for me just to just <laughs> tell them how bad a job they're doing, but not actually act on it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and, and Kurt's also the chair of USA senior club mm-hmm. council. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and, and we've had, which is, which is, makes sense because Texas has had such continuity for years to have him be the chair of the club council makes sense. I mean, he's, he's been part of that. He's been a leader in that he's been a builder in that. So it makes perfect sense for him to undergo that. Now the structure, the divisional structure, especially on the men's side, oh, it's a freaking mess. It, it was so yeah, it's a mess. But hey, Dodgy and crew are doing their best to make this work. So yeah. well, and I think the biggest problem, right, is that you have teams that um, are you know performing extremely well on the field, but don't have the structure internally, really, or the financing to move up. Yeah, um, and then you have teams that kind of refuse to move up because they're like, Oh, we're, we love this division three stuff. We're murdering people. <laughs> yeah. But if Why they move up a up? division, their, their internal structure, their mindset is not made for the next level. Right. Yeah. Their mindset's made for the level they're at. And a lot of these division three teams that don't ever need to move up to division two are in, are in areas that are highly transient. Yeah. And you know, they, they maybe they're playing well, but that's because they got four new players in from out overseas that they didn't have last year. But next year, those four players are going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. And, and, that, you know, and, and, you know, you got a team like one of the things I've always thought is just terrible, terrible about our club structure is the its ideas about promotion and relegation. Yeah. OK. You know, to me. If you aren't a if you earn a chance for promotion, you should be able to choose whether you're going to whether you want to fight for that chance or not. Yeah. If you aren't a chance for relegation, you shouldn't have to go down unless you think you need to. 
or unless the team that's being promoted that, that it has a chance for promotion challenges you to a couple of games to see who's actually better. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think people, people mix up promotion relegation in, in the club structure in the U S when they think about it in, in Europe or they think about it in other places. Cause that structure is there's professional levels right, yeah. of there's the ch- rugby championship and the premiership. So those teams and they're are accredited teams. Exactly. And they're like, it's not the same structure here in the U S where, you know, these teams, like I, I played D three, D two and D one, like long, many years ago, many years ago. Uh, you know, so like I played in that level on the D three team. Like we had, we won, we went to the national final four. They're like, Hey, do you guys want to move up to D you guys can now move up to D two. And we said, do we want to do that? Like, can we, can we manage that? Who's going to be around next year? Just as you said, Grant, like you don't know if some guys are going to move out of town, which actually did happen. Like we had a core group of about 25 guys, five guys moved away. If we didn't fill those spots, we now had a D two team trying to play, you know, far, further apart because you got to travel further and yep. travel more. And so it is, it's a, it's a club, it's a club level. You know, if you don't, you should have the opportunities. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Grant. You have the opportunity to basically say, no, you know, I, I think we're okay. We're, we're going to stay here. Like, and then I'm a, I'm a big proponent of no D2, D3 national championship rounds, period. Period. Because of the cost. Because of the cost. And that way, I mean, and so many times we've seen in the past where a D3 team or D2 team has played well. And I mean, here in Texas, look at Fort Worth, look at the Woodlands, look at Euless, you know, playing so well over the years and having good years and then having to spend three weekends traveling, you know, on $25,000 that they had to raise like that. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and they're barely being able to pay for vans and hotel rooms, and the hotel rooms they can find are you know the no tell motels out in the out in the boonies in the town where it's where at. Lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then and then you've got to play two games on a weekend when you've never played two games on a weekend yeah. in the whole competition. Yeah, no, it's, it's just it's not feasible. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. I mean, these guys are here for recreational play. No. You know, give them a give them a championship at their GU and make it mean something, yeah. right? And if Division One, if you want to play for a national championship, mm-hmm. if you individually you want to play for a national championship, get yourself on a D one squad and play and play to a national club championship. And there should be one national club championship, and that's it. You know, D one. Yeah. I will applaud that and <laughs> preach it to the choir right preach, here. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> there was a there was a, a club survey done five or six years ago. I can't remember the exact date, but it was it was a it was not an official club survey, but it mm-hmm. was very well answered. And eighty five percent of the clubs nationwide that answered the answered the survey said that they would rather that especially. And I'm saying eighty five percent of the D two D three clubs nationwide said they didn't need to go for a national championship. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels like it's one of those things where um, USA rugby just felt like, okay, well, we're going to, if we have this division, we have to have a national championship. And so they structured it that way and didn't really consider like the fact that, you know, it's not like the reds or maybe the huns or, blacks or whoever else who have like four levels, right. They've, <laughs> they could afford to send, you know, four teams to national championships. And Most hey, of the D three, D four teams 
have 25 players. Like you said, they might have 40 or 50 club members total. Yeah. yeah exactly. right? and half of those play- people aren't even players. And how do you, how, yeah. How do you get enough money to be able to do it? It just doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. I mean, to me, D2 and D3 rugby is just, I mean, you're see, you're playing to see who the tallest toddler is. You know? <laughs> I mean, I love them. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not, be, I don't mean, I'm not being mean when I say that, yeah. but you know, that's really, it's, it's, it's really what we're doing there is, you know, who's, who's the best in the small pond, Yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and, and we should be having fun at this game and Hey, we should win some games, but we shouldn't have to break the bank. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. beyond our, beyond our season. Yeah. Let's quickly look at uh, university high school. I was going to say, speaking Go of getting down to toddlers or smaller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so right now I'm, I'm the uh, director of rugby slash head coach for SMU. And uh, we're at stage three, um, which for us is, is different than the, the stage two for TRU or whatever. But uh, we're in a phase where you can't have organized practices. You can't have coaches on campus. So even if we applied to be on campus or tested or we can't be on campus, yeah. we're not students. We can't be on campus. Um, we, they, um, what, what was it? Oh, no travel, no games. So we're literally stuck in the mud right now. The next level up. And, and the reason that they've got these different levels is because different sports are doing different things at different levels. So yep. golf, they can do whatever they want right now. Yeah. They can go play, right? They can go train, then go play. It doesn't matter. Uh, but for rugby, we're we're basically stuck in the mud until we're gr- normal, yeah. right? So the next phase would get us to a point where we can have uh, coaches on campus, but we have to apply to be certified to go on campus. Um, the team can meet, but everybody has to social distance, wear masks, can't share balls, uh, can't hit uh, uh, scrummaging uh pads like we can't we can't do anything so it would be go out and make the guys do fitness right and that's the next level up and then we're at normal after that so right now we're looking at you know maybe we can organize a tournament in november or early december something like that um and then looking at a a lone star conference season in the spring right now we're not even thinking about playing in the fall and high school i've heard from high school coaches their fall season is done. They're looking, they can't touch a ball. Uh, they're looking at spring. They're looking ahead because these kids are going to school and doing all this stuff. They can't even say, Hey, maybe we'll play in the fall. They're just saying there's no fall ball. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of, unfortunately, that's, that's the current landscape we're in. Right. And I don't know. I, so Abilene Christian, I talked to their coach and he's, they're all in, they're ready to play a season. So it does seem to be just kind of regional, depending on where you are, especially if you're in a big city. Uh, what's the situation in Houston, Grant? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we're leading the way, you know. So if you if you know anything about the COVID numbers and you know what I do for a job, you know that I have to keep up with that stuff every day for my for my job, and I have to keep up with it on a global basis. And does anybody know that Texas has the six? largest number of COVID cases in the world. Yeah. If Texas was its own country, yeah. it would have the sixth largest number of COVID cases in the world. Can we and put that up there with being like fifth in gold medals at that one Olympics? 
Remember, I think <laughs> yeah. you being the fifth place for gold medals. Yeah. Yeah. Put those and, up and, on the board next to you. No, exactly like that. Exactly <laughs> like that. And, uh, and, and, and Houston's man, we're feeling it every day here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, you, you get out on the, you get out on the freeway in Houston and, uh, you know, you would normally drive the speed limit, but, uh, nobody's really on the freeway and those who are on it are driving 85, 90. It's like going on, it's like being on the beltway in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, in Germany. I, I know <laughs> how that is. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it's, you, you really get a sense of that, but then, you know, you know, your, your medical professional friends, uh, and, and the folks that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis in the medical profession, like I, like I do, they are so tired. Mm. They can't, they, they, they just go home, they collapse, they get something to eat, they collapse, they get up, they eat, they go back to work. And, you know, it's, it's crazy here right now. I wouldn't want, uh, if my kid was in school, I wouldn't want him going back to school. He's a delivery driver for AutoZone and he has to do so much stuff just to, you know, make sure that he's doing the right thing every day, delivering parts because people's cars still got to go. Right. Yep. Mechanics still got to work. So that kind of stuff doesn't shut down. So you have to make amends, but it's still, it doesn't stop it from happening. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not getting any better here. There's no high school rugby here. It's probably no college rugby here. You know, from what I understand, A&M's not playing in the fall. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've got, you look at A&M, uh, A&M's, uh, football schedule. They parsed it down to just their SEC schedule and they're only, they're only going to fill the stadium up to 30% capacity. Wow. So that's a stadium that holds 116,000 people is only going to have 35,000 people in it. Hey, that's for totally a game. Totally I'll take that in a rugby match. But still, I mean, that's not yeah. even your complete student body. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's 35,000. That's only uh, 60% of your student body. And the logistics there. behind that. I don't yeah. know, like, and that that kind of goes for all sports right now. It's the logistics behind doing sporting events, whether it's high school, whether it's professional, whether it's you know college, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah, and, and if I, I if I was going to say something about you know rugby outside of MLR is that it doesn't really bring any money. So you know, let's just be safe. Yeah, exactly. Wait, wait till wait till exactly. it's viable to do it. Well. Kind of as un, much un, as we all miss it, at least we can watch some though. There is some rugby on TV. Rugby is happening. Um, I was, you know, I was reserved for a little while to watching some NL, NLR or NRL because that was the only thing that was on. So uh, Aussie had, rules. No, no, NRL. <laughs> no, no. League, not union. So <laughs> different code. But on, on that note, you know, guys, it, it is, it's fun to sit down and talk about this. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Um, as everybody knows and watching, like this is Texas Rugby Monthly. We're going to get together every month, whether we're playing or not, and just talk about the things that are going on in not just in Houston, not just in Dallas, not just in Austin, but the entire state of Texas. Hopefully we'll have some people on from TRU, have different coaching staffs on, have different players on, um, and just talk about Texas Rugby. Uh, Any final thoughts, Grant? Hey, uh, just want to make sure that when we do get back to it, let's understand that, Hey, what we were doing in the past club wise, wasn't always working. Let's try and make a better show of it and give some people respect and try to have more people playing better rugby out there. Uh Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I know that doesn't always mean anything, but it means something to me. Yep. <laughs> and I think respecting respecting the referees to me one of the biggest issues we've oh, had. Big deal there. Yes, big deal. Absolutely. At least in Texas, it starts with coaches. Starts and, yeah. with coaches. Yep. And I think Respect that's a big thing to go forward. Respect the sir. No, no, that that's a big one. Rick, that's your, is that your final thought there? Final thought. Hey, first first show. I think it was a good one. Yep, absolutely. Everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Texas rugby monthly for Grant Cole, Rick Collins. I'm Dustin Zev. Remember, have your pets spayed and neutered. (laughs) Control the animal population. Thanks for joining us.